Hey everybody and welcome to Currently Not Tripping. Here we're going to be reviewing Group A of the World Cup. We have Qatar, the hosts. We have Ecuador, Senegal, and Netherlands. So we will be reviewing what each team does well that could get them through to the knockout round and what problems could slow each team down and cause them not to make it. We'll also hit on a few key players and give a little quick bit on each one of them. And this week's episode is sponsored by Sonia C. from West Boylston, Massachusetts, who wants to remind listeners to use their unused gift cards. Thanks, Sonia. Wow, that is a great statement from our sponsor. I have four or five unused gift cards. The glaring one is Home Depot right down the road for me. Pretty sure I have $24 on that. Need to use that right now. Thanks, Sonia. Just as a reminder, Lee is here. Hey, Lee. Yes, I am also here. Hello, everyone. So I will get us started. I've uh, drawn Qatar as my first one to preview. So Qatar is a team that not everybody will be familiar with. And they've never been to a World Cup before. And they're only here because they're hosting it. Um, granted, they've gotten a lot better over the years. But they took their automatic qualification and said, yes, please. So they will be the 80th unique nation to debut at a World Cup. Which is fascinating that over those uh, over those many years, we've had more years of World Cup than actual teams in the World Cup. Maybe that'll change when they uh, change the format to 48 teams in the World Cup. But this team has been on the rise, and uh, they won the 2019 Asian Cup. So that is every Asian uh, nation takes part in that, including Australia, because remember they're in Asia now. Um, so all those teams came together and. Qatar actually came out on top. They beat some really good teams and teams that are here and in the World Cup as well, which is like they beat South Korea in the quarterfinals and Japan in the final. And they won fairly convincingly, too. Um, They beat Japan, uh, I believe, three to one. So it was it was a really good game. And um, they'll host Ecuador in the opening match of the tournament, which should be a, a good indicator of how they're doing here. Um, so some of the storylines, there's a lot of storylines for Qatar on this one. Um, so first off, this team has been criticized in the past for recruiting footballers from other countries to get their Qatari citizenship so that they could play for the national team. And uh, the idea of dual nationals is not a new idea. Uh, it's been around for a long time. Every team has them, the dual nationals that they have to recruit and uh, convince to play for you over the other country. But Qatari was kind of... a uh, they're kind of forcing them, not forcing them, but like, you know, maybe maybe they uh, paid some people to come change their citizenship so their soccer yeah. team could get better. They're being um, really egregious about it. Yep. And uh, so after all that criticism, um, the current team includes less players born outside of the country, but it's still a significant margin. But it's tough when you have such a small nation. Um, I've not seen the full roster yet. It hasn't come out at the time of the recording, but this is likely to be one of the only teams, if not the only team, whose entire roster play in their home country. So every single one of them is extremely familiar with playing on Qatar soil. And uh, actually, I'll get to what that means in the what they do well section coming up. But um, I'll I'll hit up another storyline here. Uh, The human rights violations in building the stadiums, the corruption allegations on them being awarded the World Cup in the first place. For these more controversial topics, uh, I recommend Googling or checking out some YouTube videos of journalists who have done the proper research into the reporting, but that's definitely something that's hanging over their head. 
Um, so a couple of key players here. They have uh, Akram Afif at the left wing, Almoz Ali and forward, and Abdul Karim Hassan at left back. And um, all three of those players are uh, incredible players. Um, they they tear up the Qatari Stars League and um, specifically Hassan at left back. He won the Asian Footballer of the Year award in 2018, which is a you know not a small feat at all. A lot of the best players in the world play in Europe, so with all of them playing in Qatar, there's a little bit less of a um, a strong competition for them to play. But that award that Hassan won, the Asian Football of the Year, that goes for every Asian player playing in any league at any time. So winning that award is, is actually very uh, impressive. So what they do well. Since they only play in Qatar and in the Asian Champions League, there's not much information on them, and that unknown could surprise some, some teams. Most of their players come from the Qatari Club League uh, and play for Al Sad or Al Duhal. This team has significant playing time together that countries with players spread out over many teams and many leagues cannot replicate. One interesting note is that in their 2019 Asian Cup win, they won that tournament with only conceding one goal the entire time. Their defensive record will keep them in games. They are very strong at the back team. What they struggle with, what could hold them back? Uh, on the other side of the coin is the fact that since they only play in Qatar, they do not have much experience playing against European-based players and the increased talent level there. And in this group are a couple of those teams that have that increased talent level. So this could be uh, quite a bit difficult of a task for them. They're currently ranked 50th in the flawed but generally accepted world rankings, uh, which is the worst in this group and one of the worst in the entire tournament. The expectations around this team is a group stage exit. However, this team has the capability to surprise and you can never count out the home field advantage. So they could always... Uh, pull off a couple of upsets here and sneak their way into second place. Wow, that was a great overview. Nick, in your analysis of Qatar here, have you ever heard of one of these players prior to your research? No. <laughs> I feel like I, I was on the stand so. with that question. <laughs> yep, there is no detriment to that answer. It speaks to how small the nation is. And more to how they are getting a freebie on entering this World Cup. I'm sure they have a decent team. I can't wait to watch them play. Uh, you never know. They might be like Russia vis-a-vis uh, -vis 2018. Um, but it's going to be a real uphill battle for them. I'm, I'm really interested to see how they do. And in a uh, segment we'd like to introduce now, it's uh, what does this team remind you of with Lee? Yeah, no, I was thinking about this when you when you were talking about kind of how they came about. And the only thing I could think of as a team who was built around sort of poaching players from other teams um, is the Las Vegas Golden Knights and how they were incepted, um, where they had to draft a player from every other player uh, team in the league to form their own team. Um, just kind of starting off in that regard and maybe building off of that. Um, that that's just a very familiar storyline I've heard, and probably to one of the newest professional sports leagues here in the U.S. If I can extrapolate a little bit here, Lee, didn't the Golden Knights make it to the finals 
in their they first did. year. They per- yeah, they they are. I think they've been por- performing historically well ever since they started. And it looks like in 2017, um, they're always a contender year after year. So you just never know. Sometimes you just get that instant chemistry. I mean, you could just hit the lottery based on some players you pick up. And I mean, to your point, um, chemistry is kind of goes a long way. I mean, it can carry talent that is average to above average at best and just create winning situations. Um, Qatar definitely has that from what I hear. And yeah, I'm also excited to see what they can do. They seem very much like a wild card that's capable of great things. Okay, so Lee's implying that Qatar will win the World Cup. You heard it here first. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. Uh, all right, uh, so now we'll move on to the... I don't stand by that, but <laughs> we, we can stick to it for now. <laughs> okay, uh, now we'll move on to the uh, the second team in this group, Senegal. Chris, take it away. Yeah, yep. Um, I was happy to research uh, Senegal in a little more depth than I know them. As a Liverpool fan... And a Premier League fan, uh, Senegal is is quite recognizable to me uh, through some of the players that participate. Um, so I'll start off by providing a little bit of a history or introduction and a history to Senegal, specifically at the World Cup. First of all, their ranking is 18th, not too shabby. Uh, they do not have a storied history at the World Cup, and it will be very interesting to see how they have progressed since the last tournament. Um, where they did pretty well. Um, They did not enter the World Cup until 1962. And when they did enter in 1966, they decided to withdraw. Uh, Did not qualify for the following five tournaments, then withdrew again in 1990 when they entered back in. Uh, Did not qualify for the next two tournaments after that, and then finally made their debut in 2002, where they impressively advanced to their quarterfinals where they were beaten by Turkey. Uh, failed to qualify for the next three tournaments, only to be knocked out of the group stage in 2018, along with Poland, with Colombia and Japan, advancing at their expense. So the storyline here, Senegal is armed with players from across Europe's top leagues. The current Senegal team is, for many, the best from Africa ever to go to a World Cup. And I agree with that after some analysis. I think the number of players in top flight leagues now and their current generation and how long they've played together, it's not to the extent of how long the Qatari players have played together, but it's it's admirable um, and it's going to help them a lot. Uh, Senegal won the African Cup of Nations, which, again, we've mentioned many top flight tournaments uh, outside of the World Cup. Africa Cup of Nations, uh, you can guess, is all of the African nations playing each other in a tournament similar to the Euros. Uh, They won this in February, so quite recent, and they broke the country's big tournament curse. So for a while, Senegal was always notable in Africa as a, a soccer nation, but had never... Uh, actually won any sort of trophy. So this was the first time they were able to to dust the the dirt off their shoulder and say, yeah, we're here on the on the big stage. Uh, this will be a big buoy for them going into the tournament. Uh, this team has a living reminder of the country's top sporting moment in Cisse, the current coach who captained the 2002 World Cup squad, where they made it through to the quarters. Um, some key players on this team. Very high level, quite impressive. Sadio Mane, 
uh, somebody that I love nearly and dearly. Uh, uh, as a Liverpool fan, he was at Liverpool for a, a number of years and did incredibly well for them. Recently left for Bayern Munich. I was sad to see him go. The storyline said he wanted to take off and Liverpool did nothing, uh, not nothing, but little to stop him. When a player wants to go, do new things, you let him go. And I was incredibly happy with his contribution. He is in his form. He's 30 years old. He's got to be at the top of his game right now. By far and away, Senegal's most talented player ever has not replicated his previous LFC form, LFC as in Liverpool, for his current club team. But if he picks up form on his day, he can be anybody. He needs to create, recreate his LFC form for Senegal. Otherwise, they will have a very hard time on the attacking side. Uh, second player, uh, after reviewing the roster, is Khalidou Koulibaly, um, who is also their captain. He's He plays for Chelsea in the Premier League. Uh, I would rate him, and he is widely rated as a top five defender in the world at the moment. Previously played for Napoli, where he made a massive name for himself. Uh, he was the Serie A, or uh, Italy's uh, top flight league. He was rated there the league's best defender uh, twice during his spell there. Tracked a ton of attention, many top flight club teams at the time. Uh, he'll be pivotal in defense. Um, it, he's coming off of an injury right now, so his fitness is in question. We'll see how he does going into the tournament. Right behind him is a club teammate in Edouard Mendy. So Senegal's goalkeeper also plays for Chelsea. Nice little cohesiveness there. Incredible goalkeeper on his day, uh, played as the number one keeper for Chelsea throughout the 21-22 Premier League season. Uh, his form has dipped at the beginning of this season. He's been overtaken as the number one, so his form is also in question right now. Um, but again, if he picks up form and replicates what he did last year for Senegal, that man is sometimes unbeatable. Watching some Liverpool games, seeing Sadio or Mohamed Salah shoot shot after shot after shot against him. It's like shooting into a brick wall. It's obnoxious. Um, so what does this team do well? They have a strong defense and a, I would say a semi-strong offense. Um, Sadio Mane is a massive star. Uh, they have some other good attacking players. Many that play in the Premier League is Mali Asar is in there as well. Uh, plays for Watford. Um, the uh, goals for and against ratio for Senegal are positive. Uh, Koulibaly and Mendy, uh, respectively, keeping a solid back line that allows minimal goals against. That's very important. Um, the team also has incredible pace and stamina throughout, uh, you know, the, the forward, defense, midfield. Uh, their drive um, will be a big asset to upset some of these stronger teams as they I would expect progress farther into the tournament, um, and especially in their group as they play a team like the Netherlands. Uh, they will struggle um, when it comes to progressing farther in the tournament because of their depth. They lack the same level of star quality as in England or France. So when they get farther down to the tournament, they're going to become tired, and when they reach their bench, they will not be pulling together the same quality of player that was on the field. Um, they need uh, to make sure that they keep their noses clean of silly giveaways in the middle of the park, especially. 
Uh, Ismaili Assar will need to dictate the pace of play well for Senegal to keep possession in midfield and mitigate turnovers. Um, and in terms of expectations, uh, I think uh, Senegal make it out of the group stage for sure. I think they go past the quarterfinals and into the semifinals. I think this is their time to go far. I don't expect them to make it all the way, but go farther than they have before. Uh, I think their lack of quality on the bench will keep them from going farther than the semifinals into the tournament when larger teams will display their quality. Awesome. That was a very thorough uh, review, Chris. I really appreciate that. Um, my question for you right off the bat here is um, all three of the players you mentioned are potentially a little out of form or their forms in question, whether it's an injury or a lack of playing time. Um, do, does that make it feel like this team has uh, a wide uh, array of possibilities here? Like they could all not be on form and they could crash out of this tournament real quick, or they could all be on form and they could go really, really far into this? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the answer for me is um, no, I don't think form makes it that much larger of a factor. The form that I am discussing now is at the club level, which again, there is a difference. Um, use Messi as the prime example. Messi for Barcelona, PSG, he was always on fire never could seem to replicate that for the uh, uh, international or nation level with Argentina. Um, the uh, How well Senegal has played, uh, you're talking about them just recently winning the African Cup of Nations um, together and having the same, pretty much the same squad played together for so long. They've always been able, each player has always been able to find their form at the international stage. So, I expect that Edouard, Koulibaly, uh, Mane, even though right now they're doing okay for their respective club teams, I expect them all to get into the locker room, see their their friends, their uh, countrymates, and uh, be able to replicate that form that they had prior in the year. I don't see what would stop them from doing that. Um, again, you never know. There's lots of factors that go into this, but I expect them. I expect form. Uh, to not be that much of a factor from club level to international level. So it's funny that when you were talking about Senegal's qualification history at the World Cup, it started to remind me of an Olympic team, a winter Olympic team specifically, the Cool Runnings, the Jamaican bobsled team, kind of a Cinderella <laughs> story, the guys who had the same group of four guys coming in year after year and just kind of capturing, you know, the world essentially um little known fact you know they they made their debut in 1998 sorry they made their debut in 1988 winter olympics didn't perform particularly well they came back together in the next two winter olympics and actually finished as high as 14th place um even beating out some household names like the united states russia australia and france so there's definitely a lot of comparisons to draw from that um just any team that can really stick together as a cohesive unit. You just don't know what they're capable of and they, they can very well surprise as well. Yeah, I, I think it's a great comparison. Um, after researching Senegal a little bit more, I feel like I got to love them just a little bit more. And I can't say that about every team I researched. So um, 
they'll have that attractiveness to them from a fan point of view. Somebody, a team that will be looked at as an underdog and will want to go far into the tournament. Um, and I think Cool Runnings is a prime example of that. Yeah, I uh, I love that call out. That's uh, a fantastic comparison. Okay, so now I'll uh, I'll move on to our third team here, Ecuador. So Ecuador has been a strong team surrounded by giants for a long time. They have a long history of not qualifying for the World Cup due to those slots being taken by Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, and the rest of the very strong South American zone. The upcoming World Cup will be their fourth in their history. And previously, they have two group stage exits, including their most recent World Cup back in 2014. And their best finish was back in 2006 when they made it to the round of 16 in the knockout stage. Uh, In their qualifying campaign, they surprised a lot of higher-ranking teams. They uh, they beat out Peru, number 17th in the world, ranked Colombia and Chile, to take and hold the fourth and final qualifying spot from South America. This team has a handful of really talented young players that could form a golden age for Ecuador. So uh, on the storyline side of things, there's a major note with this team that this is in their um, spot in this World Cup is currently being contested in the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And uh, they're hearing an appeal from both the Chilean and Peruvian teams Uh, They want to overturn a decision made by FIFA to clear Ecuador of any wrongdoing in regards to Byron Castillo. There is a, quote unquote, compelling evidence that Byron Castillo was born and raised in Colombia and that his Ecuadorian documentation had been forged. So fielding an ineligible player would forfeit any and all the games he played in and would turn it into a three nothing loss for Ecuador. This would arguably send either Chile or Peru to the World Cup at the last minute. And this would be a logistical nightmare that I would be surprised if it happened, but it's still worth mentioning. The sentencing for this is due any day now. So um, hopefully by the before this comes out, I can put in a little update here in uh, in the editing room and uh, let you know what happened there. But that is definitely one thing to keep an eye on with this team. So uh, key players, they have 20-year-old Moises Caicedo in central midfield who plays in the Premier League. And uh, actually earlier today, I saw a rumor that uh, Real Madrid was interested in purchasing him for somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 70 million dollars. They also have 20-year-old Piero Hincapi at center back. And 24-year-old Purvis Estupignan at left back. Caicedo and Estupignan both play for the currently strong team Brighton and Hove Albion in the Premier League. And I see huge potential in Caicedo, uh, but he is still so young at 20 years old right now. Definitely one to watch. Uh, So what this team does well, this edition of Ecuador has done some significant youth development that is finally paying off. They are young, fast, and excellent in transition. When they get the ball, this team is off to the races. One moment the opponent have the ball, next moment Ecuador has it, and they're getting a shot on goal off of the counterattack. One lapse in focus, and Ecuador pounces. What they struggle with, what holds them back, uh, Ecuador's still very young. They're prone to some mistakes, 
And will these Castillo allegations get in their heads? Will they even be allowed to play? All I know is that this team is ahead of their time. They're building for 2026, and they'll be even stronger then with four more years of development. So the expectations. um, This group, is there's not too much expected for this up-and-coming Ecuador. Um, Getting into the host Qatar's group represents a good chance for the Ecuadorians to progress out of the group stage and into the knockout stages. Um, The opening game versus Qatar will tell a lot about their intentions at this tournament. A group stage exit would be a disappointment, but not the end of the world since the future is so bright. Wow, that was a a learning session for me and quite comprehensive. Thank you, Nick. Uh, One question I have in reading through your conclusion there, do you think that their youth uh, provides them a potential wild card and a little bit of an edge? So the off chance that they don't get out of control, they stay organized, they play to their top notch. Do you think they make there? There's a possibility that they make it out of the group stage. Absolutely, I would consider them to be a uh, a wild card uh, and a um, what's the term? Um, dark horse. Dark horse. Thank you. That's exactly the one I'm looking for. I think they're a dark horse to make it fairly far into this tournament. I don't think that they have a chance of winning it, but you know, if they could uh, really make the opportunities count when they get the ball and pounce on some of those counterattacks, I could see them making their way into uh, you know the quarters or uh, in there. There's a world where they make it to the semis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. I think. Um... The, the youthfulness of a squad, uh, especially with a good captain, right, can do a lot of great things. You have to have a lot of discipline, a lot of organization, which is a challenge with that much youth. But the skill, the speed, the energy that they bring, I can see the potential for them to be making it farther into the tournament for sure. Yeah, this is a team that kind of reminds me of two sports franchises of the same sport. And I'm going baseball here, uh, mostly because of just the youth and kind of the homegrown talent. Um, Two franchises kind of well known for playing cheap ball and just developing their players. So the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays, two teams that I feel like they're almost always, you know, above average performance. And yet year after year, it's like the roster completely turns over and yet they still find a way to win or put up a really competitive team. Um, I just kind of feel like they're they're not necessarily the most exciting team to watch, per se, um, but you can always expect them to put on a good show. OK, I like that. And I think uh, I think they will put on a good show. I'm really uh, excited to see what they can do. So now we'll take it to the uh, the final team in this group, the Netherlands. Yeah, the Netherlands. Um, so I uh, will provide a little bit of history. They have a lot of history in comparison to Senegal, who I reviewed just now. Um, the Orange, the Clockwork Orange, or the Flying Dutchman, all excellent nicknames for the Netherlands, or just the Dutch. Um, they have a storied history at the World Cup. And, as we pointed out before, have never won the trophy, even though they've made it to the final three separate times. Um, They hold the record uh, for playing the most World Cup finals without ever winning the tournament. They finished second in the 1974, 78, and 10, 2010, excuse me, World Cups, losing to West Germany, Argentina, and Spain, respectively. Um, 
What I would say uh, the Netherlands are the most well-known for, even when it comes to the World Cup in the football universe, is their invention of total football in the 1970s. So this is a tactical system in which any outfield player, so anybody but the goalkeeper, can take over any role or the role of any other player in a team. So people switching back and forth from defense to midfield to forward and back uh, can make it confusing for the other team. And if you do it correctly with the right uh, caliber of player is a very fluid way of playing soccer. Um, The captain of the Brazilian team that won the 1970 FIFA World Cup, Carlos Alberto, went on to say, quote, the only team I've seen that did things differently was Holland or the Netherlands at the 1974 World Cup in Germany. Since then, everything looks more or less the same to me. Their carousel style of play was amazing to watch and marvelous for the game. Uh, Since their debut in 1934, the Netherlands have qualified for 11 World Cups, including 2022. Um, Coach Louis van Gaal uh, looks to have settled on a 5-3-2 system that has worked reasonably well in recent months, and I say recent months as in just January of this year leading back to, after convincing the likes of big names stars on the team to ditch their traditional 4-3-3, which is the system that they used really religiously since the invention of total football. They've deviated from it in a few tournaments based on the coach, but they are largely known as a nation that plays a 4-3-3 formation. Uh, injuries, injuries, excuse me, are a concern in tournaments like this, as their two biggest creative players, Memphis Depay and Frankie De Jong, are susceptible to muscle injuries. Uh, Memphis Depay is recovering now. Frankie has just recovered. Both respectively play for Barcelona. Um, don't know what they're doing to their Dutch players over there, but it's not nice. Uh, they successfully made it to the finals of the Nations League. A separate international tournament, which really kind of took the place of friendlies leading up to the World Cup. Uh, That final for this tournament is going to be played after the World Cup. Um, So they have a little bit of a high that they're riding right now, knowing that even if they drop out of this tournament for whatever reason early on, or if they win the tournament, they have another chance um, at a finals or another trophy uh, following the World Cup. Um, I would outline some of their key players as largely defensive, almost all defensive. Uh, Virgil van Dyke, a uh, big Liverpool fan. Uh, he is, uh, I won't say our captain because he's not. Jordan Henderson is Liverpool's captain, but he is everybody's leader. Um, he is a uh, captain for the Netherlands and a pivotal player for any team. Uh, van Dyke is a top three defender. And um, his uh, uh, team, Liverpool, have been in poor form by their standards lately, but don't let that be a reflection of his own form. He's done incredible. I've watched every game. Um, You can only do so much on the field, but his organization uh, of the players surrounding him is always incredibly admirable and and just uh, awesome to watch. He's been a consistent monster in the back. This will be his first, surprisingly to me, this will be his first major tournament, period. Uh, on the international stage after missing the 2020 Euros with an ACL injury. Next, we've got Frankie de Jong. 
Uh, Frankie will be a key player in the middle of the park, adding uh, needed creativity and really dictating uh, the Dutchman's tempo. His passing and ball movement are some of the best in the game. Uh, he'll need to keep possession and distribute well when they find themselves under pressure. Uh, he can also be deployed in defense if need be, having done that recently for Barcelona, but he prefer, and I think he does best personally playing in the midfield. And finally, I, I wanted to point out Memphis Depay. Uh, he's a partner to Frankie at Barcelona. Uh, he's not gotten a lot of playing time. Barcelona is flush with incredible players. And Depay is historically mercurial with his form. Uh, he's the Dutch's main option up front. Um, you know, historically, the Dutch have been known as an attacking team. Uh, uh, that, that's what they've been known for. This uh, and, and likely the last World Cup, too, they've really been known as more of a defensive team than anything else. Um, uh, so I, I would say coming off of an injury, there's still a big question mark to his, uh, first of all, status, fitness, and then form after that. Um, you know, before he got to Barcelona, he was showing glimpses of his uh, prime and what he can really deliver. He's an incredible player. Sounds like I've been speaking ill of him largely, but when he is able to show his top form, he's an incredible player, very versatile in front of goal. Um, he will be, uh, I, I hate to say it, but a make or break for the Netherlands. If he's on fire, they're going to go a long way. Um, if he's lacking form, I don't know where the Netherlands find their goals from. Uh, so let's talk about, you know, what the Netherlands do well. Defense and possession right now. Um, you've got a back three of Van Dijk, Stefan de Vrij, and Matthias de Litt. Um, Those are all incredible defenders. Any uh, top flight coach right now at the club level would love a Dutch back three. Um, they're all playing for top teams and it, most of them in their top form as well. Their consistency and passing allow them loads of possession. Um, they're, uh, what they struggle with, and I think what will hold them back, as I've touched on a little bit, but is goals. You know, where are they going to come from? Van Dijk has been one of their top goal scorers, and he is their captain and defender. So it, he, he comes in in pivotal moments and has scored really crucial goals for them leading up to qualify for this tournament. But do you really want to be, you know, relying on your defender for your goal supply? A uh, notable uh, um, uh, player that is injured and out of this team is Jeannie Wijnaldum, former Liverpool player, uh, unimpressed at PSG and, and just started for AS Roma. Unfortunately, had a leg break in one of his first games playing for AS Roma. Leading up to that, his form in the Netherlands was a, a midfield player that would approach late and score a wide number of goals. So that's a big miss for him. Uh, and as I mentioned before, with Memphis Depay, a risk due to injury, goals may have to be carried by Ajax forward Steven Bergwijn, who is good on his day. He's, I wouldn't consider him a top-tier striker uh, globally. Um, also want to keep an eye on upcoming star uh, Cody Gakpo of PSV. Chelsea was eyeing him um, as a potential transfer, never landed him, but um, he's a player to watch. I would also consider him as somebody to watch for FIFA's young player of the tournament. Uh, my expectations is that they will exit the group stage along with uh, Senegal, 
earn a favorable draw in the round of 16 and lose in the quarterfinals. Okay, awesome. That was fantastic. I really like the uh, the shout of Cody uh, Gakpo as a potential young player of the tournament because he is uh, he's been absolutely on fire this last little bit. But um, yeah, I could I could definitely see a successful top line of him and assuming there's a you know some nice upturn in health um, with Memphis Depay up front because uh, even though he's not playing for my team Barcelona. Uh, I still have full confidence in him because when he was playing, he is uh, he's lethal. He's a, he's a fantastic forward. So I have I have confidence in this team. I've always liked Netherlands just in general. Um, I'm talking about like all sports in the global stage. I think their colors are awesome. I think their names are awesome. You could never pronounce any of them, or they have you know four words in them, whatever. The Netherlands, they're just they're just whatever reason seem like a really entertaining team to watch. Um, it's too bad that they are always a bridesmaid, never the bride. Um, that is something that is probably a little too common here in the American sports. Uh, but one team that really resonated to me in that regard would be the Orlando Magic, um, a team that we kind of think as a perennial powerhouse in the NBA. And yet, you know, in the 2000s, that's what I grew up watching. It was always Celtics, Lakers, and the Magic. And with Shaquille O'Neal, and after that, guys like Dwight Howard coming along, you kind of thought that they were just going to win it all someday, and they never have. Um, it's 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 too bad, kind of a, a waste of the talent of the time. But, you know, here's the hoping that maybe this year the Netherlands will have more success. All right, I like that. I uh I could have sworn I would have bet money that you were going to go with the Buffalo Bills for making it to four Super Bowls <laughs> and not winning them. Um, but I, I think the the Magic are a good shout, too. I'm not going to call out a team I'm actively rooting against. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so that concludes our uh, four-team review here. So now it's time to do predictions. So... We need to predict which two teams are making it out of this group and in what order. So, Lee, who do you got winning this group? I think I got the Netherlands winning this group. Um, I think they've had the experience. They have, you know, the household name. I think there's always something to be said about that. And I feel like every year when I'm watching the World Cup, I see them advancing past the group stage. Um, I kind of expect the same fate this year. The second team, I'm not so sure. Um, In the beginning, I kind of wanted to go with a surprise pick. Um, I kind of wanted to root for the home crowd, but I think there's just too much talent in the pool to really let that happen. Um, so I think I'm going to have to go with Senegal. Um, I, I think there's something to be said about just having a good offense, uh, especially when you have a, such a high level of talent that every game is going to come down to one goal in the group stage it, in an even playing field and that's kind of what i see this group there's not in any particular standout from two to four um it's going to be a lot of close games that dictate who moves on and so i'm sticking with that yeah i i think that's a, a fantastic prediction and i uh i love that um everything you know about it is what we just gave you and um you were able to uh break that down into a, a really uh reasonable guess um, so I, I've I've heard of the countries before today. I, I hope you know. I want to make oh. that clear. It's not like I don't know where these places are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. 
got me there. Uh, all right, Chris, who do you uh, who do you have? Yeah, so reflecting on this um, this group, I originally was thinking Netherlands. I was always thinking Netherlands and Senegal. I think Qatar will never have a hope of replicating Russia and their progress in the tournament as a host nation in 2018. I don't think Ecuador um, are mature enough to advance past the group stage. Originally, I was thinking Netherlands first, but I reversed it. I think in the group stage, um, Senegal will go first, and I think Netherlands will go second. I think Senegal, uh, based on their form as a team and as a generation, will beat out the Netherlands. And that hurts me to say a little bit because uh, Lee touched on it a lot, but I've always just loved the Netherlands. Um, I really, really wanted to see them win. Uh, uh, frankly, any of the times they came in second. <laughs> but, um, you know, from uh, myself as a youth, I always loved watching them play. Um, they had some really creative players at the time that fascinated me. It attracted me to watching them. So that all said, um, I don't have a ton of high hopes about their attacking options. Um, I would love to see them prove me wrong, but I think they'll come in second. I think they definitely best Qatar and Ecuador. I think Senegal takes it uh, in the end, and I think it's Senegal's time. All right. Well, that uh, that opening game of Senegal versus Netherlands will tell us a lot about that, uh, the order of those two teams. So I'm happy to say that I have a different prediction from both of you. Um, so I I match up with Lee. Uh, on the Netherlands winning. I, I do believe that their talent will will win through here. Um, but in second, I have Ecuador. I, I never uh, thought that that was going to be my play. But um, after researching this team, I I really liked what I saw. And I, I think they're going to surprise some teams. And I, I think they're going to uh, sneak into second place here. So we'll keep a, a running tally and uh, see how we do and come back to this. Uh, after the group stages and uh, see how we did but uh okay that's it for group a so now we will uh come back for episode three where we will be doing group b which is england iran the united states and wales so check back for that next what a thanks group. everybody and don't forget to use your gift cards <laughs> Thanks everybody. I'm IKEA tomorrow. I, I got dollars left to go. Yeah, Chris, you better go tomorrow. We gotta spend. Here I come. The holidays are coming up. You're gonna be getting full gift cards. <laughs> you, <laughs> it just never runs out. You don't want to get somebody. You're gonna get a gift card. It, Can't wait for more gift cards. cycle of life. Yeah, just go out there and spend your money before you get more money. <laughs> awesome. Thanks everybody. Catch you next time. All right. Bye bye. Signing off.